0: Why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen? Now, you could tell this, why do do bad things happen to God's people? But why do bad things happen to God's people? Why? Why does that happen? This may be one of the leading questions that God's people ask me on a regular basis. Uh, Something very bad, something comes into their life that they weren't expecting, blindsides them, Takes them to their knees, as it were, almost. It just takes you to your knees. You can't even talk. Out of the blue. And the first thing people begin to do, whether they're saved or unsaved, but I'm really talking to the saved mostly this morning, is why would God, and they'll use either cause or allow bad things to happen. To me, the this thing, this particular thing that they're talking about. And does not the Bible, after all, call us his beloved? Does that amen or no? The Bible calls us his beloved. I call my wife that. I call my beloved, my fair one. That's kind of poetic. Not original with me, however. My beloved, my fair one, come away. She says, Ah, a minute. Take your Bibles to First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13. <clears throat> the first word of verse 12, the first word is, Beloved. So who is he talking to? You and me, as born-again believers, if you're not saved here this morning, not talking to you, but you can trust Him as your Savior and know Him, be part of the family He wants you to be. It's not God's will that any should perish, the Bible says. That all should come under repentance. God doesn't want people to go to hell. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. wasn't made for us, really. If you're going to follow the devil, that's where you go. If you follow Jesus, you get to go to heaven where He's at on the right hand of the Father in glory at this moment making intercession for his beloved. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. It's not if. It's when. As though some strange thing Happened unto you. And this is a amazing response in verse 13 because Peter understood what it was. The guy writing this or he used of the Holy Spirit to write this new suffering. But rejoice. Now, how in the world do you turn sorrow around to rejoicing? But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with all ex- with exceeding joy. Christ suffered to get the gospel out, but I want you to get this and get it real good because this may be a little co- a hard concept for some to get. But it's Bible, solid Bible. Christ suffered to get the gospel out, but not, but not. All the suffering that was required to propel the gospel all the way through 2019. He paid and made the gospel available, but he did not suffer all that was going to be required to get it out. He paid for it, he made it and made it possible, and paid for it, and made made it available. But then he told his disciples, which are you and me, right? Go ye into the world and preach the gospel which I've made and paid for to every creature. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, there's going to be some suffering involved in that. Uh, to prove that and to fulfill that to be true, Brother Jim Knott gave a testimony in a bus meeting how that door-to-door uh, he still suffered internally about going door to door. Amen. You're fulfilling literally the prophecy of the Bible when you have that happen. But why do you do that? Well, when His glory shall be revealed, it says, "Ye may be glad with exceeding joy." the 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 life of a Christian involves suffering, and it involves deep sorrow. But, brother, it ends with exceeding joy. Now, how would you like it reversed, where this life was a a party, and this life was fabulous, and this life was a lot of fun and exceeding joy, but the end of it was a lake of fire with exceeding agony and suffering to last forever? That's the two choices, the two choices. Colossians 1, verse 24 says, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. This is Paul talking. And those were necessary, by the way. He wouldn't have got to the church at Colossae had he not suffered. To fill up, it says, and fill up that which is behind or lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake, which is the church. In other words, he says, it took my personal suffering to get to you. It took some suffering to get to you and if you're going to get to somebody in this life you're gonna to have to be willing to understand that suffering's involved in it if you're trying to constantly be comfortable and if you're constantly trying to stay in a comfort zone as it were you cannot fulfill the will of God in your life somebody today Told me, God's moved on me, and he finally got me. I'm going to go get my CDL license. That's not a comfortable place to be, but it's God's place to be. Getting up early on Sunday morning, you know, you may get up early every day of the week, and Sunday comes, you think you got a little, no, you get up early, come to the bus meeting at 8 o'clock. It's it's, it's a degree, unless you're an early bird and you get up at 4 o'clock anyway. Uh, of, of suffering, of sacrifice, right? There's a degree of sacrifice to come to the bus meeting. I kind of hate to think about it that way, but it is. It is. When people practice for a, a special they do, there's a degree of suffering or sacrifice that they must do to do that. When, when uh, Hannah Ludwig uh, sets at that piano and plays, there is a ton of of personal sacrifice that went into that beautiful song she played. When Sandy Ato, otherwise known as Betty, sets at that organ and plays, I understand there is there are, there's in her case, 50, 60 years of personal sacrifice that went into making that happen. It don't just happen. When Brother Jimmy gets up here, otherwise known as Mr not and he plays his violin up there you ever try to play that violin there's no frets there's no little places like on a guitar you have to know where that where your fingers are going to be otherwise it goes a little sharp a little flat and most violin playing that I've ever heard is a little sharp a little flat but he's right on he's got the ear you know not easy to play violin a lot of suffering when. that's just practical right that's just practical so we in our lives are to fill up that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ to get the gospel out. Because not all the suffering is required to be has been yet. Saturday we're going to go out and we're going to we're going to suffer some for Jesus. Now, I'm not talking the kind of suffering personally I make the best of it I I just say okay I'm gonna give my world up but I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna look at the flowers and I'm gonna look at the trees and I'm gonna look at the bees and I'm gonna <laughs> you know the flowers and the trees I'm gonna look around and I used to I take people with me door-to-door door first time and I'll say man you know what kind of you know what look at that flower and then we'll knock on the door you know why you don't have to make it up oh I want to just beat myself up no man, we enjoy the time together, and then we walk together down the road, talk about stuff together, get a little fellowship with somebody, get to know them. Good way. There's a lot of good things there, but when a guy yells, yells, and you, throws you off his property, which does not happen very often, rarely. Most I run into many cases where people thank me for coming by their house. Many cases, many. Well, they say, "Preacher, thank you for coming by," or. Thank you for caring about me enough to stop by the house, but you know I'm a member somewhere else, or I know Christ, so I do something. But that's okay. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad I came by. In Philippians two two seventeen, Paul's here's what Paul says about his life. He says, "Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith," Paul says literally, "I've laid my life down so that you can be saved." Romans eight seventeen, he says. Uh, if so be that we suffer for him, we shall be glorified together with him. That's the end of it. In 2 Corinthians 12, 15, he says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. And I use that phrase myself. I, I started here 28 years old with all kind of vim and vigor. And I have spent, honestly, and I'm about spent. I don't have the energy I used to have, but you know what? I have more wisdom than I used to have. That compensates you for the lack of energy, amen? Second Timothy 1.8 says, Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. That was Paul. Paul says in 2.10 of 2 Timothy, he says, I endured all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain salvation, which is Christ Jesus' the eternal glory. Brother Crab's doing that. He don't want to go to California. Brother Crab does not want to go to California. Nobody in his right mind wants to go to California. He'll be one of the last conservatives across the line because I heard the other day that massive amounts of Republicans are leaving California. But he's going there because he believes that God wants him to go there and he is willing to suffer. You don't don't think it's comfortable to take all this work he's done and, and shut it all down and have to go out there to a brand new group of people who don't know how wonderful he is. We know, but they don't. Yeah. He's willing to do it for Jesus' sake. One of the first things that gets straight as a Christian is that suffering is just part of your life. By the way, the unsaved suffer. They do. They suffer too, but pointlessly. I've identified four kinds of suffering that God brings into our life and four reasons why he brings them in. Let me go quickly over them. First, God brings in the Christian's life the suffering of chastisement. That's found in Hebrews chapter 12, because I want we're Bible preaching, Bible teaching church. I want to give you an address for this stuff. Hebrews 12, 5 through 8 says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. The word chastening is like getting a spanking, old fashioned country whooping. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. Now that's a real strong word. Every son whom he receiveth. I mean, he scourged his own son. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth scourge scourgeth. Every son and receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Now I'm going to tell you, there are such people, they are out there who've never had a spanking from their mom and dad. My wife said she never had a spanking from her mom and dad. Pray for me. I I personally couldn't imagine that to be. I don't think she's lying. But if you be without chastisement whereof, and I want you to look at that verse in your mind at least in 12, verse 8 of Hebrews, that's the place you go. Whereof all are partakers, then you're bastards and not sons. You're illegitimately born. You're not really of the family. That's strong language, isn't it? He said, every Christian comes under the chastisement of God. So I can guarantee you this morning as a born-again believer that God is going to bring something in your life, or more than one thing in your life, to discipline you. To, to correct you. To take some of the things that you think are right and make you see that they're wrong. To make you see some things that are right also. God's our Heavenly Father. Jesus, The disciples say to Jesus, teach us to pray, it says, our Father, who art in heaven, He's our Father. He's the one that made you. He loves you, and so He chastens you. He chases you because He loves you. He chastens you to so that you do right. He chastens you so that you have a good outcome or eternity. Um, he wants He wants to help. He wants you to help others. That's another reason He chastens you. I don't think anybody enjoys chastening at the time. I know that Bible is uh, Bible truth. Hebrews twelve eleven says, Now no chastening, for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them who are exercised thereby. So, during the whooping, There's nobody laughing. I remember when I'd come home and I'd have done something wrong and I knew I was facing a spanking, I dreaded it and dreaded it and dreaded it. And during it, I was not a happy camper, but I sure was glad it was over when it got over. But it taught me, thank God for a parent who spanked me. Thank God for a parent who wouldn't let me just do what I wanted to do. Thank God for a parent who who told me when to talk and when not to talk. Thank God for a parent who told me uh, how to dress and how to how to clean up and how to do this and, and how to do that and how to be a man and, and what was expected of me in life and how to work. Thank God for a parent who taught me how to work. Taught me life wasn't a barrel of roses and it wasn't all fun, fun, fun until the daddy took a T-bird away. It was... It was work. Work. Four-letter word to some people. Work! Jesus said, work for the night cometh which no man can work. The second thing that I know that is in line for every believer is that we're, we're allowed to suffer so that we can help others around us understand suffering, the suffering they're going through. God caused us to suffer in various ways to help those around us understand what they're going through. No one knows what you're going through. I don't go up to a pregnant woman and say, I know how you feel. Amen? And you women that think we got it made, you don't know how hard it is on us either. I'm telling you, having a baby is mean, man. It's tough on the man nobody has any sympathy for us at all and you women have no place to say anything because you're not one of us and the truth is you can't know what we go through and neither can I know what you go through I can't go to a woman and say I know what you go through but another man I can say brother Nick man I know what you went through when you had to when your babies were born it's a tough road to hold but God bless you you'll be able to make it through it I mean, you missed a meal You had to put up with your wife postpartum. Take all the guns out of the house. God causes us, you say, brother, you're just talking. Oh, really? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that's the proof text. I'm showing you some proof text. Hebrews chapter 12 is a proof text for chastisement. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm just going to do 4 through 5, that's the proof text. For God allowing us to suffer so we can learn how to help some other folks around us He says in verse 4 who who comforteth us in all our tribulation That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort how by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God For as the sufferings of Christ abounded and abound in us so our consolation also abounded by Christ in other words we suffer We get consolation from God, and then we pass it on to those who are around us. So, if a woman's pregnant for her first child, these girls that have had two, three, four, five children can go to that woman and say, Look, I've been through what you've been through three, four times, two, three times. The Bible says the younger woman's supposed to talk to the older one. Why? Because the older woman's been through it. And, and uh, here's what you can expect, and I tell you, it's going to be all right. You know, I've had, you know, 10 kids, and they're all good, and I'm still walking around, and it's going to be all right. But, but, and and when, the young, when the young girls have trouble with their husbands, the old girls that have figured it out can go to the younger girls and say, hey, look, it's all right. It's all right. Don't press him too hard. Be sweet to him. Cook some real great meals. Keep the house clean. Wax the car, mow the lawn, paint the house, and you have a fine marriage. Now, if you girls are upset with me, that's because I know when you're mad, you remember. A woman will have a list, but at 25 years old, it's just a psh, right there. I've seen Christians in deep, long sufferings. Long, deep sufferings that God Almighty allowed them to be in so that they could learn the grace of God. And when they learned about the grace of God, with high authority and credibility, they were able to tell others and help them. They can tell them about the grace of God. They can tell them about the peace of God. Brother, if you're in suffering, don't pout about it. Use your pain. Pain is a motivator. Use your pain. And let it motivate you to righteousness. And motivate you to the right way and the right thing to do. Don't you let it pull you back. Don't you get the poochy lip and get upset at God. Because the devil wants you to, his, his, his number one, One goal for you is to be mad at God. But if you understand that God's chastising you for your own good so that you have a good outcome, if you understand that God's allowed trouble to come in your life so eventually, somewhere, somehow, you can share what you've learned through the trial as you've trusted God, you can share that with somebody else down the road. And you're not talking hearsay. You're talking what you went through. How do you do that? you got to endure it. you got to trust God in it you got to suffer by hoping in God, finally being delivered and consoled, and eventually sharing your findings with others. The third area of suffering, why do bad things happen to me, preacher? Well, the third area of suffering is simply for the glory of God. And I'll tell you what, I don't exactly understand it, but I know it's the Bible. It's the Bible. This can be one of the hardest of the four to understand. Why did God allow me to be this way? Why did God cause this to happen to me? Why is it so long sometimes a lifetime long why doesn't he, why doesn't he relieve me okay I guess I'm just going to trust God that he's good I'm just going to trust him I think job figured that out when he said in 13th chapter and the 15th verse of his book though he slay me that's about as far as he can go though this trial I'm in and know this trouble I'm in brings me to the place where He slays me, though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. Glory to God. You can't lose with that. I think of Lazarus in John chapter 11, verse 4. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. Uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had helped Jesus. They were His friends. They, They loved Him. Lazarus got real sick, and he died. What Jesus said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby, in 11.4 of John. Now Lazarus had to go through getting sick. He had to go through whatever death was for him. His sisters went through four days of, of serious grief. He was in the grave. You know, they met Jesus when he came and said, well, he's been there a long time. He's, by this time, he stinks and no embalming. That'd be true. Oh, I said, no, this, this is for the glory of God. You don't know why God's doing what he's doing. Trust him. You don't know how it's going to come out. Trust him. You don't don't try to figure God out. You'll never make it. Faith him out. Faith him out. Just trust him. Say, I'll I drive a stake down here. The devil's not going to turn this thing around to where I hate God. I'm going to love him, and I'm going to trust him. And I'm, in the end of it all, it's going to be all right. Everything's all right in my Father's house. In my Father's house, in my Father's house, everything's all right. In my Father's house, where there's joy, joy, joy. You can sing that in a hospital. And it'll be true. The fourth way that God causes us to suffer for his will is fourthly we suffer because it's, t- it's time to die. It's time to die. I, I get around people that are dying. And I'm surprised, a little bit surprised, at how born again, fundamental, independent Baptists that believe the Bible, old King James Bible, Fight dying. I know God's put in us a, a sense of survival that is so strong man it is strong and it needs to be. but there's a time when doctor two three doctors sign off on you and they say you got two, three four months, five months to live that's it it's over. Read my lips. it's over. Oh preacher I guess I got to go to heaven We can show the world that the faith we have is not just some some pie in the sky by our passing and in our passing we can show them that what we have is real I want to show my doctor that God's real. I want to show the nurses that God's real. I want to show them that my death will not be like those heathen in the way they die. Grappling onto every last second of life. Hezekiah got sick. 2 Kings 21, verse 20 and verse 1, and he got sick and he, Isaiah came in he said, this is the doctor, Dr. Isaiah, he came in and he said, uh, the sickness you have is unto death. Basically, get your house in order, it's so. over. Isaiah leaned over towards the wall and he cried, because this is tough news, tough news. You know, I'm not hard on him for that. He leaned to the wall and he said, Lord, remember me. Remember the good things I've done for him and all in your name. And he had done many, many good things for God, right? And uh, have mercy on me. That's not a bad prayer. It's a good prayer. That was in God's prerogative. Isaiah hadn't even gotten out of the house. And God, God talked to Isaiah and he said, go back. Tell my servant Hezekiah. Instead of dying, you're going to get 15 more years of life. Uh, so Isaiah goes back, puts a little, some figs on the wound. God heals him. Because God heals through medicine, by the way. Many times God heals through medicine, with or without it. He can do it either way. But he'll do it with it. Why did he put those figs on that wound? But it healed. Live 50 more years, but if you read Isaiah's life, I know that many, many Christians I've talked to said it would have been better had Isaiah died, had Hezekiah died then, than to have gone on and lived that extra 15 years and disappointed God the way he ended. I, I'm conscious of that. I'm not going to beg God for a long, 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 long life. I may, I may get stupid and mess up say stupid stuff, do stupid stuff, undo my testimony if I get too old, and I'm just, tell, I'm just, how about we just let God take care of it? No one gets out of here alive, nobody. Not anybody in this room will be here 100 years from now. I'm pretty sure that I'm right on that. Not a person in this room, 100 years, not a long time. Not a long time. This building, well, may outlive us. Depending on hurricanes, all right. Somehow the hurricane prediction down here, maybe not. But uh, death is as sure as taxes. this as inevitable as being raptured, as a rapture coming. So, by the way, you ought to consider this. You can't go to heaven without dying. I preached a sermon called The Beauty of Death. People looked at me like I was crazy. But death is the only way you're going to get to go to heaven. Why? Your old corrupt body ain't going to make it to heaven. It's got to stay here on earth. Your old corrupt nature. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were saying they're dying and they were saying to me, I'm having you know, some bad dreams and some bad, th- where are they coming from? I said, the old flesh. The old flesh. The old nature. Is your old nature alive and well this morning? Mine is. And, and, and in your weak moments that old flesh will come up and and, and you may have some dreams. I'm not responsible for my dreams. To be honest with you. I've had some dreams that I, I renounce. I get literally wake up and in Jesus' name renounce what I what I dreamt. I don't know where it came from. Uh, I didn't mean to murder my wife. I really didn't. So flat. I'm just making that up, people. But it was worse than that. The old flesh is dying. You can't get rid of this old nature till you die. And you'll never see Jesus face to face until you die. You'll never get your reward until you die. Uh, You can't get a new body like unto his glorious body till you die. Dying opens up all the beauty of heaven and that God has for us. Now, you die when God tells you to die. Now, you know what I mean? But if you're born again, you understand what I'm talking about. There's four solid reasons why suffering is brought into our lives. Number one, God's chastising you. Number two, God's trying to train you, educate you in an area that you're going to be able to help somebody down the road. Uh, Thirdly, God's just simply glorifying his name through you by your sufferings and the way you respond to them. And lastly, God's going to take you home. It's time to go. It's time to die. Oh, death! Where's I sting? Oh, grave! Where's I victory? He doesn't have it anymore. As a born again believer, the, the 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 sting is taken off of the bee. He doesn't have it anymore. Oh, I'm not telling you that that is something. I'm just woohoo! I get to die. No, no. It's natural to be sad when you lose a loved one and you lose a spouse or you lose a, a, a person that has been you know, good in your life and helped you. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. But I have lived in such a way that with my woman that when I die, she's going to say, no, now I can go on a cruise around the world. No. No. May the Lord help us to do the right thing. And may you understand why things happen. Why, preacher, do bad things happen to me or to Christians? You're not an exception. Oh, I tell you, you're not an exception. I'm not an exception. It happens to all that call on the name of Christ. Father, help us this morning. Help us to be able to serve you, love you. Forgive us where we've. Given in to the temptation of being mad at you. We've given in to the temptation of being disappointed in you. When in, in essence you you shed your blood and was resurrected so that we could be reconciled to God. And God could be reconciled to us, and that we could have fellowship with you again, like Adam and Eve had before the fall. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. That guides us and gives us direction and understanding. Father, there could be somebody in this room without Christ or Savior. I don't know everybody. If they don't know what it means to be saved and have security in that, may God today they have it. May they let us know about it. May we pray with them, help them, show them in the Bible. We're available for you. You may be a Christian and you've been bitter at God. The truth is if you search your soul and the Holy Spirit searches it with you, You know you've been bitter at God about what's going on. Don't be bitter. Don't be bitter. Though He slay me, yet will I trust in God. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Commit yourself, your soul, unto the keeping of God. Commit your soul. Say, God, I give it to you. Take care of me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand again."